0: we're going to jump in over the next few weeks into a series called asking for a friend because i know there have been times in my life as a follower of jesus and as a pastor especially is there are questions that i've had and i felt like uh, i don't know if i can really ask that question because of where i'm at or, or what i do for a living and if i feel like that i have to make the assumption that maybe you feel like that as well did i make a good assumption on that there are questions and I, I don't know if I should ask these because if I do somebody's gonna judge me this is a non judging place like it, this is a judgment free zone here we do not grow if we do not ask questions and you cannot learn if you do not ask and I don't want you ever to feel like um, that this is a place where you can't ask questions and you can't learn and you can't grow and so we're, we're gonna talk about a few things over these next few weeks uh, next week, we're going to talk about what does the Bible have to say about gender identity, okay? You don't have to get all uptight. It's, that's next week, okay? Uh, we're going to talk about what the Bible says about that. What is our response as a church? Because how many have had that question? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do in this society when this is, we're talking about gender identities. I don't know what to do when we're talking about what does the Bible say about homosexuality, right? There's other questions out there, and we're going to tackle those from a biblical standpoint over the next couple of weeks. But I wanted today to start with a softball question um, to ask this. Is, is Jesus the only way? I mean, you, you probably have said, well, I'm, I've been in church all my life. Um, I've, I've come every weekend. Obviously, Robbie, I, I believe that Jesus is the only way. But again, let's be honest. There probably have been moments in your life where you've thought, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? What what if Jesus isn't the only What if there are other ways to get to the father. Cuz a lot of religions teach that, right? A lot of religions will teach you that it doesn't matter what you worship, you will get there eventually. It doesn't matter. And I wanted to build a case today to answer the question and to give you understanding that when you make the proclamation that I believe that Jesus is the way, the only way. I want you to be able to have some biblical understanding. Are we good? You good? Yes. We live big word, in a pluralistic society, right? We our, our nation says that we have the freedom to worship and hopefully that never goes away, but we have the freedom to be here this morning and to gather and to sing and, and read the scriptures together, to pray together, like this is a natural freedom that we have here in our country. Other countries not so much, they don't, they don't have that. Matter of fact, uh, recently, I saw that there are two lawmakers in, in Israel, of all places, that are trying to ban believers from sharing the gospel message. It will give you one year imprisonment for sharing the In Israel, everybody, where the gospel started, the cradle of Christianity. There are people that are trying to make that illegal. There are other countries today that would say, absolutely not, you can't teach anything regarding the Bible. You can't own a Bible, and if you're found with these things, then you're done. Right. Okay, why is that? Because I think people are scared of truth. The way, the truth, the life. Okay, we live in this pluralistic society. Our children are constantly being bombarded with messages through social media, through outlets of um, YouTube, other areas. They're, they're being bombarded with information. And let me tell you something, I want to encourage you figure out a way, as we have these conversations in this room, figure out a way to have these conversations with your kids. Because if you don't teach them biblically, the world will teach them. And I can promise you this, it will not be biblically. They will go on their own way. So you got to be willing to have the conversation. And if you're telling me as a parent, I don't know how to have that conversation, that's okay. But have a conversation. It's okay to look at your kids and go, i don't understand your generation's jacked up i don't understand it but i'm willing to journey with you to figure this out right can we have that conversation because we can't get mad when they're 16 17 years old down the road and they they've left the church they, they don't want to have anything to do with you but we weren't willing to have the 30 second conversation of hey let's let's learn this together can we just make that agreement together as a church that we will do that for our children for our grandkids Like, let's be a much louder voice than society is, This pluralistic culture. Now, Jesus made one of the boldest claims in all of history. We call it his farewell discourse. In John chapter 14, Jesus is about to go to the cross. You know everything that's going to take place after that is resurrection. He's going to ascend. But before he does that, in John chapter 14, he makes this bold statement and he, he's talking to one of the disciples, Thomas. Remember, Thomas had some doubts. And he says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, what, is this next, what are these next two words here? What does it say? No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, if you know Jesus, he says, you will also know the Father. From now on, you. For, from now on, you do not know him and have seen him. He's saying, "If you want to get to the Father and have a relationship with God, that starts here with me." They're, they're living in a. Okay. What have people that never heard about Jesus? Those who have asked that question. A lot of people the best answer you can give somebody when they say, "What about never?" Oh man, you know we have to we have to engage with the question right we know as followers we have been called to share the gospel of jesus but what about the person it's always on some random remote island of some unreached people group that is always used as an illustration we never talk about the neighbor who's next door because uh, believe it or not many people in the united states have never even touched or seen or heard scripture at all we, we, we are, are losing that so rapidly. rapidly so if if god is an all-loving god then surely he's had to have made a way for these people right that never verbally hear it from my mouth or from your mouth or from our friends who are followers and so what what about those who've never heard so i want to i want to lead you to romans chapter one In romans paul's building a case and it's probably one of his, his most uh rich in theology in his writings but he's really trying to help this church in rome overcome the paganism that's surrounding them to point them to this very thing that jesus is at work god is at work and he says this in romans chapter one starting in first verse 20 he says for his invisible attributes that is his internal power and his divine nature have been what is this word they have been what clearly seen that word there uh in in the original context in the greek means clearly okay It has been clearly seen since the creation of the world. So how long has this been clearly seen? Well, since the very beginning, right? And he says, so since the very beginning of the world, being understood through what he has made, as a result, people are, you ready? They're without an excuse. Now hold on, because now you think, oh, that's not fair. Hold on, Paul's digging here. For they... They knew God. They did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling the mortal men, birds, four-footed animals, reptiles. They, Paul's saying, "Y'all just worshiping anything and everything. If it if it if it looks like it could be worshiped y'all just worshiping that. And you're not go- you're not going to get away with that." That God says, even before the beginning of time he was speaking and showing his creation in itself is proof that God is real we call this the light of creation the light of creation it exposes to us that God was at work in the very beginnings of time okay Paul's saying that through creation God is speaking you ever have those moments where you go out and you watch the sunset over Lake Moultrie beautiful you just feel something in that moment, right? Um, you know, it's like I'm, I'm from Dillon and, and just driving down I-95 and seeing the sunset over Pedro sombrero is just, it's magical. I just, I can't, it, it's proof in itself that God is real south of the border. If you've never been, get a bumper sticker. It explains a lot for me. Um, but as God is speaking through creation, you have to also understand there's a demonic world that's trying to keep us from hearing too. There's two voices. There's a God that's speaking through his creation, and then anything that God creates, the enemy counterfeits. God creates, the devil counterfeits. And he counterfeits everything, and he's, he's speaking just as loud as God is, and he's trying to keep us from hearing from God. So what happens is that people will move. What they, They're worshiping God, and they're, they're, they're worshiping the creator, but then what happens is they will drift, and they're no longer worshiping the creator they will begin to worship the creation we call that idolatry and I know you're thinking I'm glad that we don't have any statues and stuff that we we worship like they did in Rome in the church of Rome you're right we don't have statues we have sophisticated our idols and we call it money and family and friends and time and our hobbies you want me to keep going ours aren't statues they've now become sophisticated in the things that we put above God. And by the way, when we put things above God, as parents, what are we teaching our children? Hey, we worship this. This is God's important, but this is important. And again, we're trying to raise a generation to do better than we did, amen? Anybody else trying to get to that point? And idolatry is when we take these Created things, and we place them over the Creator. And when we hear in the demonic voices, and not hearing God's, we shift our worship from Him to creation. Does that make sense? And so He's He's warning us. And there's a light of creation. So if a person responds to that and they go, "Okay, there's a light of creation. There's something here. I feel God's presence." Then what we have then is what we call the light of consciousness. Like you, you have this is the Holy Spirit at work. How do you know that God's moving? The Holy Spirit is the only one that can re- reveal that to you. There'll be moments in your life where you'll feel that you're supposed to do something. I just feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. Like God's leading me to do this. The only reason that you know that is because of your consciousness. The Holy Spirit has revealed that to you. You ever had those moments where you really felt like you were supposed to text and encourage somebody or pray for somebody or share the gospel with somebody and you felt it in your chest and just had to do it? The only reason you knew that is because the Holy Spirit revealed that to you. Like there's some light bulbs going off in your minds right now of us reading some of these scriptures. That's the Holy Spirit. And people will say, I've never experienced the Holy Spirit. Well, you are right now. We just got to put some handles on it and figure out what, what He is. And so there's this light of consciousness. The Bible says it comes from here in Romans chapter 2, Paul writes this. So when Gentiles, understand, Gentiles were anybody that weren't Jewish, okay? That was us, anybody, every ethos, every nation, every tribe, people, tongue, minus the Jewish people. So when the Gentiles, who do not by nature have the law, because they didn't have the Torah, they didn't have any of the, the, the Old Testament, he says that who, by nature they, they have the law do what the law demands. They, they don't have the written copy, but they they hear from God. And, and they're they're following the best that they can. And, and it says, they do what the law demands. They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Their consciousness confirms this. Their, uh, their competing thoughts either accuse or even excuse them. What, what is he saying? He's, he's saying here that this, these things are being revealed to them. They don't have written texts. okay? I don't know if you know this, but they didn't have Bible study necessarily in the New Testament or the Old Testament because they didn't have Bibles. They used scrolls. And sometimes just meeting together or singing and praying and discussing what they had learned and what God was doing. And, and the way that that was happening was through the consciousness of what the Holy Spirit was revealing to them so we have a light of creation that god works through his creation to reveal himself and when he reveals himself we have the consciousness to be aware that hey something someone created all of this and it and, and it this tension and when we have this tension we begin really this is where the church comes in really rallying around these people to help process and journey on this journey to figure these things out and that gives us the light of christ so you have a lot of creation, a lot of consciousness, and a lot of Christ, because Christ begins to reveal everything in this situation. So Paul's saying, hey, the Gentiles are getting this, because they're hearing from God, they've recognized there, there, there's something here, and they're discovering Jesus, they're, because people are, the church is pointing them to Jesus. So he says this in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17. It's probably one of my favorite passages in all of the New Testament. Paul is in Athens, and he's come into Athens, and he's waiting on his buddies to to arrive. But while he's there, he's taking a scope. He's looking around. He's people watching. Anybody like the people watch? Don't lie. I see you in Walmart. I know you people watch. And the people watching, and he notices that they have a statue for every god that they worship in Athens. Even the unknown God, just in case they forgot a God, they had an unknown God that you'd go worship that one's a God of fertility, there's a God of the harvest. It just depended on what you need. It was like Baskin-Robbins. You pick whatever flavor God you want, that's the one that you would go and worship. So Paul notices all these things, and he's taking it in. He's watching the people. Then he, now he's gonna go, and he's gonna meet with the Arepagus, the government of this area, and he's gonna have this conversation, and he says this. For one man... He has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and their boundaries of where they live. Who determines our boundaries and where we live? God. He places us exactly where we need to be. The question is, do we take advantage of where we need to be? He did this so that they might seek God. Perhaps they might reach out and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. There's good news for you this morning. He's for, for in Him we live and... We move and we have our being, and as even some of your own poets have said, so Paul's now using some of their own writings, their own literature. Like we you can use culture to show Jesus in it. And he says this that some of your own poets have said, For we are also his offspring. Since then we are God's offspring. We shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human heart or imagination. He says, Therefore. Having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people, okay, who who is an exception for certain people? It's everybody, okay, to repent. Now we're so quick to point that that person needs to repent, that person needs to confess what they just did, but Paul's saying we are all guilty and we all need to repent. And, And what we're saying here to repent is to completely turn around from what you're doing and come to the Father. Stop doing it, turn from it, and go to the Father, okay, one more time, turn from it, go to the Father, not stay here and dabble in this, I just don't do it as much, so he says that he, we repent, and Christ wants to attract us when we repent to have a relationship, because he has set a day when he's going to judge the world, that day is going to come, it's a promise, it's gonna, there's going to be judgment that's going to come on the world in righteousness by the man that he has appointed so who's going to do all the judging jesus here's the good news for you and me if you're a believer you have been declared righteous you're good like you don't have to worry about going before the judgment seat of jesus and he going nah man we're good we're full bye and kick you out we have been given righteousness we have taken on remember we talked about this on good friday is that jesus has taken our sin He has been clothed in our sin. We have been given and clothed in righteousness. And he has provided, what is this word? He's provided what? He's provided proof of this to who? Everybody. By raising Jesus from the dead. Everything hinges on the resurrection. We don't just celebrate it. It wasn't an event. Resurrection was a man. Jesus And because of that, Jesus being resurrected is proof of everything Paul is saying. He he hinges everything on the resurrection. That the resurrection declares that Jesus is Lord and he is king. So to answer the question, what about those who have never heard? I'll say this, there is not ever going to be a time when people will say, I've never heard. Because God is so passionate about people knowing him. Through his creation, through his Holy Spirit. Through the light of Christ they will hear. There's no excuse is what the scriptures say. Now it doesn't excuse us from sharing the gospel. You and I have a calling to do. But the message says this that even the angels proclaim the gospel message. In Revelation it says this then I saw another angel flying high overhead with the eternal, what is this? The eternal gospel. The good news. Angels are proclaiming the good news and he is has this eternal gospel to announce to the inhabitants of the earth to every nation, every tribe, every language and every people. Even the angels are declaring the gospel over all of us. Nature and what God does in nature draws us to the light for things to darkness to be exposed. So God is going to reach those people wherever they are because of creation speaks, consciousness speaks, which leads us to the light of Christ. Does that clarify that question? That was the bonus question. I want to go back to the bigger question because Jesus, again, makes the biggest, boldest claim of anybody in all of history to say that I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to have relationship through the Father, then you have to come through me. Because this is Jesus' story. This is a story of redemption, and that word redemption means that one who has been saved or delivered from sin or its consequences, or that things have been redeemed. There was a price that needed to be paid for our sin for us to have a relationship with God, and Jesus threw down the debit card and said, I got this, and our bill was paid in full. We have been bought back from sin, from, this, from the slavery, the yoke of sin. So Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says, For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and man, and the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at a proper time. When God sent Jesus, he says this, I want to show you what God looks like. I want you to physically see what God looks like. I want to show you what heaven looks like. And I'm going to show you in earthly form. I'm going to send my son, God incarnate, in the flesh, I'm going to show you what he's going to look like. Can you imagine being able to think like Jesus? Being able to talk like Jesus? Being able to be moved with compassion like Jesus? Can you imagine that? The good news is we don't have to. We don't have to imagine that. Because when we're filled with the Spirit, we can say things like Jesus. Think like Jesus, and be moved with compassion like Jesus. You don't have to imagine it. He bridges us back to the one that we were created to enjoy. Did you know that? Like, we're created to enjoy God, enjoy his creation, enjoy the things that he has made. And sin is trying to take that away. The enemy is trying to, to demolish those things. So Jesus lived the way to God because you and I could not do that. There's nothing we could do. Nothing. Like, there was a, there's a choice that we have to make. Like, I'm either going to allow myself to surrender fully to the Lordship of Jesus. And in that, Jesus takes on the price of my sin and pays for me and declares me righteous. Or, I'm going to do this on my own, by my own merit. And y'all, you know our own merit ain't going to work. We have a hard time getting up when the alarm clock goes off the first time am i right and and we're going to cleanse ourselves of sin right we forget to lock doors we forget any any of the downfalls that you have like just the dumbest of things like a couple of years ago i got a text from my wife saying hey by the way ice cream goes in the freezer i put it in the refrigerator and i think that i can i can fix myself Right? Isn't that crazy when you start thinking about it that way? That there's nothing that we can do. Jesus said, I will step in and I will take that place. I will do what you cannot do. He lived the life that you and I could not live. And because God is holy, here's the good news, he cannot be in the presence of sin. And because he can't be in the presence of sin, he sends Jesus to live among the people And Jesus lives a sinful life. And we think that, oh, he was Jesus, it was easy. Was he not faced with temptation? Did it say that that, that he had zero temptation? He was good, he was a superhero. He was man. And he had his temptations. I love the fact that the God who requires a sinless life is himself the requirement. The God who requires a sinless life is himself the requirement. Because when you trust Jesus, God accredits to your account the very life that Jesus lived that you could not live. And the more we believe this, the more that we become like him. That's good news this morning. That we become like Jesus. Look at Romans chapter 5. Paul writes this. So then, as through though when trespass, there is no... There's no what? There's, there's no condemnation. And there's no condemnation to who? For anybody. So there, there's a, there is a condemnation for everyone. But so also through one righteous act, there is justification. That's good news. There's justification leading to a life for everyone. For just as though one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And I, I like this is... I get this question a lot from people is, why in the world do I have to pay for the sin that Adam and Eve did? That's a great question. Like, I didn't do that. I didn't take the fruit. I don't even like figs. I think that's what they ate. It wasn't an apple. They wouldn't have eaten apples. They wouldn't have figs. Anybody have fig newtons, by the way? They're delicious. Delicious. And if you don't believe so, we have an altar right here. You can come and pray and repent. We're going to redeem the fig newton. But Paul, Paul says this, is that there's a condemnation without Jesus. But he will later declare this, that for those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. That we've been justified, we've been made righteous through his blood. There's nothing that we did to be able to do that. The minute that we say yes to Jesus, you will never be more righteous than you are in that moment. Our our worst sin is that we don't believe that Jesus can make us righteous, so we continually try to do it ourselves. And I can tell you this, Jesus accomplished victory over sin. We can't. We can't. You will not overcome pornography by putting a filter on your computer or on your phone. You won't overcome it. What's going to get you to overcome sin is if you're looking at Christ and what He's already done for you. Focus on the cross of Jesus. The more you do that, the more it's going to change how you feel about yourself. Like, because people think, well, oh my gosh, I can't do anything right, and you get all down and depressed. No, 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 no. It's not to make you feel awful. It is to make you realize what you could have been, but Jesus has stepped in to give you life, abundant life, better life. Not to take you away and and put all these rules and stipulations on the contract. There is no contract that you sign, and there's a lot of fine print that you didn't see. He paid it in full, voluntarily, for you. Jesus also revealed the truth of God. He also revealed the truth of God so that we would not be lost in lies. In a pluralistic society of all these different beliefs in God's, would you agree with me that we are surrounded by lies on the daily? Like, what news outlet do we watch? What paper do we read? Do do we even read anything anymore? Who's telling the truth? Who's not? We, We live in bombarded... With lies, John chapter 8 says that the father of lies is the devil. Like he's really good at what he does. It's in his resume. And we live in a world full of lies and Jesus has come and said, I am the truth. Now here's the part we don't like. Jesus is going to speak truth. And sometimes we're going to like it and sometimes we're not. But he's never going to ask us of our opinion of that truth. Because he is absolute truth now we live in a different world that there is no absolute truth it's it's a free for all we do believe say whatever we want to say with no consequences right that's that's the but jesus says no i'm the way but i'm the truth and i tell the truth and i speak the truth and anything outside of what i say is from the devil and a lot of times we believe the things the devil says over the word that jesus says And he speaks truths, And whatever truth he gives us is always for our good. Always. Always. He embodied this. Psalms chapter 26 says this. For your faithful love. This means in in, in the Hebrew, unconditional. There's nothing you can do to lose it. Nothing. There's no condition. No fine print. He said, For your faithful love, what does it do? It guides me. Because God loves us and guides us. You ready? Because we live by truth. When a person loves you, they are truthful to you. They want nothing but good for you, good desires. And you follow. And he says, I have an unconditional love. And that unconditional love is what guides us. Now, how do we know about the unconditional love? Well, we have to be in his word. We got to read. That is a discipline I think the church in itself, in the world, has lost, of being in the scripture. Because we get distracted by other things, or, or and, we feel like it's just too complicated to understand, so we don't even touch it. We just get our fill on a Sunday. And then we move on, hopefully that's going to get us to the next place. It's like driving a vehicle when the needle is right there on empty and we're going to try to guide through the week to get where we need to go. Hopefully we can just bounce back in here on Sunday to, to fill the tank up just a little bit more instead of getting filled by the Spirit throughout the week. Jesus says this in John chapter 8, we're about to wrap up. I know what you're thinking. And then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word so if you continue in my what let me ask that question one time if you continue in my what you are really my disciples because you can't be a disciple if you're not in the word because being a disciple is being a student and the thing that teaches you the textbook is the word and the one that teaches you the word is the holy spirit you following me he made this really easy for us but we have complicated the mess out of this thing and he says, if you continue my word, you are my disciples. Not, by the way, not anybody else's words, because he's the way and he's the truth. So it is whose word? Okay, I just want to make sure we're there. I, go ask for help for other people, but go to the scriptures first. And if people that are giving you guidance and advice about your life aren't doing it from a biblical place, go find somebody else to get it from, please. Okay? I had a friend of mine that was, uh, told me he had hired a trainer to help him lose weight. And uh, he took me with him to this this trainer, and I said, what do y'all do? What do you work out? He said, oh, we play racquetball. And the guy that walks in that was training him was overweight. I'm like, you paying this guy? Yeah, man, he's helping me. Do what? Play racquetball? Because you stink at that. (laughs) Like, come on. So get your advice from the right place. Uh, Here's the last thing. Jesus gave his life for us to give. So I'm going to read this slower. Jesus gave his life for us to give his life to us to live his life through us. And you've got to really slow that tongue twister down just a little bit to get the weight of that. But Jesus gave his life for us as a sacrifice, as a, remember, substitutionary atonement talked about on Good Friday, to give his life to us so that we could have not life but abundant life so that he could live in and through us and do the works that we can't do, live the life that we can't do. There's a portion of scripture here in Philippians chapter two. Um, it is what they call the, the kenosis or, or the self-emptying of Jesus. This was also one of the very first worship songs that, were, that was sang in the early church. It's found here in Philippians chapter two. And Paul says this to the church of Philippi. He says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Well, that's hard. That's hard, isn't it? Jesus didn't hang out with some of the people that I hang out with. Jesus never drove on I-95. Jesus never been on Ashley Phosphate at 5 o'clock. But somehow he's still calling us to have the same attitude as him who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited instead he emptied himself watch this Jesus emptied himself by assuming the form of a what mm. taking on the likeness of humanity and when he had come as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even to death on a cross Jesus says Paul says it's about Jesus we need the attitude of humility. If you want to come to Jesus, it starts with humility, because it comes with admitting, I'm a sinner, and I can't do this on my own, and I need a Savior to rescue me out of my sin. I need the way. He shows us. I need the truth. He gives it, and the life is made abundant for us. So I'd sum up today this way. Is Jesus the only way? Jesus is the way because He lived the way that humans were supposed to live. Check. He did it. Jesus is the way. He is the truth because he is the truth of God. He says it. And Jesus is the life because that's the life that he wants to share with us. And that's the good news of the gospel. So is Jesus the only way? Yeah, he is. In this pluralistic society, every other God leaves you empty and is a counterfeit of what was created. And we don't like counterfeits. We want the real thing. Because the real thing has the value. Like you, may, you may not know this, but this is a different world for you, so let me expose this. There is a, a world out there that people collect sneakers. Right? Like collect them, not wear them, collect them and have closets and shrines full of them. And I saw a pair the other day that were going for $15,000. Listen, let me just say that if you have $15,000 to spend on shoes, would you please come see me? I want to help redirect those funds to buy a building because that would be great. But 15000 And I was reading a story about a guy that dropped about 5 grand on a pair of shoes. Now again, not to wear them, and that doesn't even justify it. But just to put them in a closet that nobody can see them. And when he went to sell them, found out, how much did you pay for these? 5,000 why? These are counterfeit. Dumb dumb. Right. You are what you going to do with the counterfeit shoe? In that moment, all of the value was gone. It looked like the shoe. It felt like the shoe. It had the same box as the shoe. The person that sold it to him worked in the market where they could pick out counterfeits, missed it. It was so good. And he drops five grand on it to get the counterfeit. And the one thing that was off was the shade of blue was just a little lighter tint than what Nike has in their colors palette. Here's the problem. In pluralistic society, it can look right, it can feel right, and it can be 100% wrong and leave you empty. All of its value is gone. When we look to the cross, we see 100% fulfillment. We see an image of death that leads us to the way, to the truth, and to the life no counterfeit Jesus here he is what he is with that I pray Father thank you so much for everybody in this room as we wrestle with questions even with that God is is Jesus the only way we, we know the answer but I pray now that we have good understanding theologically of what that means and I pray in these next few moments as we sing and worship it's, that we will just declare our, our devotion to you that you are indeed the way and we thank you for giving us life life more abundant as you say in john 10 10. so jesus i pray in these moments your spirit would work you would give us acts of obedience that we need to carry out what we need to do and god even maybe reveal who it is that we need to have a conversation this week about this very topic and i pray these things in your name amen would you stand and let's sing